Welcome to Belt Loda, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 1, Episode 2, and Episode 3. Uh, Amazon dropped all three of these at once. Uh, the names of those are Exodus, Churn, and Mother, in that order. Uh, I want to talk a little bit before we get started today uh, and get into the episodes about the format of this podcast, because this first one is going to be a little bit weird. As they... Uh, released three episodes we realized and we did this for the boys when they did the same thing uh it's gonna be a really long podcast if we try and break down a full recap for each of these episodes in a single podcast so we tend to approach these things uh as like a a thematic review of all three episodes so that's what we're going to be doing today but we will be going back to that full recap format in episode four because they'll start releasing them once a week uh so you know if you hear the podcast and you're like oh boy i'm not sure i like that although i you know <laughs> last season was weird um they dropped them all at once so like it, this is probably gonna be a change no matter where you come from with our expanse coverage but right right this is how we've we decided to do it we think it works pretty well so hopefully you guys will like it too uh aaron it's it's been a year we finally have new expanse uh second season with amazon what do you think of the the start here uh, it's all pretty. It's it's all pretty impressive. Like I said, I thought it was. It's, I thought it's a bit of a low, a slow burn. Not that there's not action. Uh, there's some yeah. pretty cool space action. They're getting one of the things I've constantly kind of like encouraged them to do better on. Let's say is their zero G work, and uh, I think that they had some really impressive zero G stuff. Oh, uh, the yeah. people that are like passively just kind of acting in zero G, I think, are doing a better job of it, and it does. It pays off. It really helps sell uh, the it, the. it really helps sell the action. As far as the, the yeah, it, it's great. There's a lot of great setup. Um, there's a lot of exciting possibilities. It's it's unusual and weird to see the crew of the Rossi just kind of all over the place, split throughout the entire system. Um, but it's also kind of gives each one a uh, opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, I tell you, the cliffhanger at the end of these three episodes is going to have a lot of people saying, God damn, this release <laughs> model, because you're going to want to do nothing but hit play on the next episode when you get to for sure uh, the end of, of episode three, I predict. So what do you think? Yeah, Book yeah. Reader? Uh, I really liked them. I, I did want to say, like, we're going to spoil all three of these episodes. If you haven't seen all three of them, probably don't listen to this podcast yet. Go watch the first three because we're going to talk about that cliffhanger and the the ending. So cut out right now if you haven't seen it. It's big. Oh, wait. A, a, another kind of show note is just so people th- that don't know, you have read a lot of the books. You, uh, I, I've, I have read up until the last season. I've read up to book four. So I'm yeah. kind of keeping up in 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 the past tense, and you are several books ahead. So, and I, I won't uh, but, spoil but, anything either from those right. books. Like I've read five and six. I've read Gods of Risk, um, the the novella. I, I'm going to try to keep all of that out of this podcast and and keep from speculating too much based on information I have in the books. Now, I will say if something in the show happens that has not happened in the book, um, you know, I'm obviously not going to be able to keep accidental spoilers out right but i'll also probably talk about things that are totally not in the books that are happening in the show um, and point those out so i guess like it there's some like negative inverse spoiler you could get from that right (laughs) if if a character is like not if a character is dead in the books or something and they're alive on screen i might mention that 
And that might be a bit well, of a spoiler if you're early on in the books. I'll give you a perfect exa example of stuff that happens like that. For example, if you were to go and tell us all about Bull, who wasn't in season three like he is in book three, yeah. um, you might be spoiled at the appearance and some of the backstory elements of Bull when he actually arrives, uh, I assume, out uh, e either to resume his role from the book or just out of nowhere uh, right. to be the security chief for Tycho. But they're usually not. I mean, we, we went through this with Game of Thrones sometimes, too, when when, uh, you know, we talk about things that didn't happen in the show that did happen in the book. And then two seasons later, they take a small scene and put it. It's it's not usually like big haymaker stuff. It's mostly background things. Yeah. And I don't think Bull was a major story. character, even even in the books like he was. He had a big part to play, but also he's a POV character. Yeah. But but he was essentially drummer, you know. Right. Right. They they did a lot of that stuff with her. Um and I think they're still doing a lot of stuff with her that's going to be interesting from the books I've read, but we'll get there. Uh, I think this episode is, these three episodes actually are really good. Like you said, they're set up. Um, they're definitely like moving all the pieces into place. But when that cliffhanger hits uh, at the end of the third episode, I really felt like all of that was justified. Like you needed all of this stuff, especially like Avrasarla being so right. Uh, and, you know, ha having just completely called this thing exactly as it as it laid uh, and then nobody listening to her because of the actions in season four that she took. Right. She's and goddamn Nancy Gow. So fucking smug. So, just such a punchable face. So much like Avasarala, honestly. I know. Like I, and I, I love that the episode made that point because I was practically screaming it when she's feeling sorry for us. Like this is yeah. you dealing with yourself, you know, in the in the past. Um, and <laughs> right. obviously, it's frustrating. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so, so they did a lot of good stuff around Avasarala. I would say the the character that is closest to the books, the one that like they just basically lift his chapters right out, is Amos. Uh, he is like right on track to where he was in the books. And so, some of Was these scenes not... are verbatim, like that okay. that train scene when they come in um, and he's like laying down there and then he gives this speech about, you know, how he can hold his breath for two minutes and do physical activity. That is verbatim from the book, word for word. Okay, uh, I, I it was is that from the churn or is this actually from book five? Because I figured a lot of this stuff came from the churn. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The churn is. Uh, is mostly flashback stuff or all flashback okay. stuff yeah to to his time as you know timothy um back in baltimore and they're yeah as ex you know, they're, they're pulling a little bit that. i was expecting a little bit more of that and i guess to the extent that he's going to remain on earth um for i don't know however many episodes longer maybe they can keep doing that we did get a little bit like that flashback of him sitting on the dock with uh his adopted mother lydia um yeah you know, was was kind of interesting it was hilarious because I kept seeing this kid and I'm like, God, this kid gets beat up so many times in a single day. How does this happen? And then, you know, I finally realized in that scene, oh, okay, this is Amos. Right, right. Remembering. Uh, but yeah, that that scene you were talking about um, that I think you were talking about kind of blew my mind. It's, it's the one where they're, you know, in zero G up on Tycho Station and they're just kind of disorienting you with the camera, right? It's rotating... Then it's flying in. It's this big wonder that kind of flies into the station. Uh, that that whole scene is amazing. I the the people you know standing on the ceiling, the quote unquote ceiling. That yep. there's this like no side down design to the entire station, or at least to mm -hmm. certain parts of it where they're working. It's yeah. it's really cool. It's it's the exact stuff that I wanted to see that I'm not sure they've really been like overly concerned with in previous seasons. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I thought that they do that a lot. Like anytime you see a space scene of like uh, there's a shot of um, Philip, you know, boarding this research station and the outside of that ship. And they, they do that a lot with the cameras, like fucking with your perspective to really mm-hmm. disorient you and, and sell you what it's like to be out in the void, you know. Um, and I, I just love that stuff. And the fact that they really made the conscious decision to kind of unmoor the camera from any kind of direction. And I know they've done that in previous seasons, too. But like I felt like they really really kicked yeah. it up a notch in, in in this season. Some of those big, sweeping, establishing shots like you're talking about. And well, the set design even is is leaning into that, right? Like like I said, the construction of the station itself. When you look at series from the first couple of seasons, it does not look like it was built by belters for belters. It looks like it was built by Earthers for people to go work in the Earth fashion that they're used to. Right, uh, right. A set, you might say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um this this is a set, but it's also built by Belters for Belters. This Tycho Station set is awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, start talking about the episode in, in greater detail here. Um, you want to start with Avasarala and her, sure. her her stuff? She's kind of got the you know the overarching plot stuff uh, along with Holden and Johnson and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so so what's Avasarala up to? Um, she, I, 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 the, she's, she's busted down to Luna. They put it, we knew this last episode, uh, season that, the Nancy gal wants to put her as far away as she can get without actually having her in the outer planets or Mars. So she's over on the moon and she is the, uh, she's lead, she's chairing a blue ribbon commission to investigate how you can do the thing that she thinks is dangerous faster. Yeah. And 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 uh, more of it, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of kind of fuck with her and humiliate her. And she, for her part, is trying to do her best to do that job because she doesn't want to get fired from the government. But she's really looking out like, like she has for the entire series for Earth's. Um, and and maybe she shifted more to humanity at this point, but like for, for the greater good of Earth. Yeah, and that's always been you know, especially at the end of season four, that was a big question. Like, is she? working for the the greater good here or is she working to secure her own power um, or essentially just to be right uh, and win and you know I, I think <laughs> in her mind it's they're one and the same uh, and I'm not sure that's not entirely true because if you do have somebody in power who's making the wrong calls that could be a problem for everyone um, I, I really like the framing device they use of her trying to get in the mind of her enemy because it allows her to like ruminate and listen to Marco's speeches and, you know, see things in the background transpiring. And and I also really like how the expanse continues to do this. Nothing's perfect, everything's messy. Like Marco's plan is not going to go out without a hitch. One of the asteroids that they put on a trajectory slingshots too close to the sun, it goes back in time, saves humpback whales. <laughs> and then uh, breaks and, up. And, yeah. And then in all of that excitement breaks up, and uh, of course, it's only the outside it's sprayed with the stealth device. So now you've got this chunky string of pearls, you know, like the comet that the Shoemaker Levy to hit Jupiter. It all is kind of strung out, and the scientists are excited because, you know, these these inner planet uh, asteroids are, are kind of rare. And they're just out there celebrating this big victory, and they get boarded by belters who are trying to essentially clean up the mess of, oh, fuck, this, this stuff happened. Um, and I just love that, like countermeasure, measure, countermeasure, um, you know, Earth's kind of skeptical. The belt is the OPA, the official organs of the OPA are actually working against Marco. 
Um, there's a lot of that symmetry and it feels, um, and what's the strength of this writing is that you don't have to rely on dumb villains yeah. and, and, or dumb heroes. It's all just, you have smart people like Avasaral and Holden and Naomi, and you got smart people like, you know, Marcos say what you will about him, his monstrous ambitions. He's very smart. And Fred Johnson. And it's like, they're not they're They don't just make stupid decisions. They have limited information. Uh, they don't know what everything's going on. And there's tons of competing political socioeconomic interests that kind of prevent them from just, you know, doing the right thing. Uh, yeah. And a lot of it is their own sins and hubris. Like a lot of Avasarala's the difficulty is her own, you know, hubris and how she's treated people throughout her her t- her time in government kind of coming back to bite her. And that just feels a hell of a lot more satisfying than, well, the guy just made a mistake or, oh, she just didn't consider this or, yeah. you know, oh, to get, you know. Danny forgot that uh, Euron had ships or whatever the hell that happens sometimes on other shows that the wheels fall off on. So I really like that. Yeah, th- this is um, one of the things that uh, Vince Gillian talks about when he talks about Breaking Bad and what made that such a good show, um, especially in the Walt and Gus uh, dynamic where right. both of these guys are incredibly smart and it would be a cop out at the end to have one of them make a dumb mistake that then brings them down. And so instead it's not that they, they've, they make a stupid mistake, right? It's that they make an emotional call. They have an emotional vulnerability. And I feel like a lot of the times that's what they're trying to do here, right? There's, there's a blind spot because of who they are, because of their history, um, all of that stuff. And, and, it it works to you know create smarter um, villains, smarter heroes. It works to sympathize, uh, help us sympathize with even the villains of this show. Like there's a lot in Marco that you can go, yeah, you're right, buddy. You might be taking it too far, but you're right. Um, yeah, it's like classic Magneto type of you know, like he's he's not he's not doing these vile, terrible things for no reason. He's got a lot of motivation. Right. Um, it's just that there's a there's a better path. Um, that that's uh that the that, that take it's it seems um I, yeah. I i also really like again the uncertainty like uh avasarala gets some critical intel that uh is a match this the ship that might have attacked it's all circumstantial like the ship that might yeah. have attacked this 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 research station it's got a belt it's a drive signature it's a 53 percent match to marcos one of the ships of marcos owns and it's like that's a coin flip and is an admiral going to risk his career on a coin flip and you know, but then then Avisarol thinks about it a little more. She's like, well, why were Belters out there anywhere? Well, when's the last time we had a Belter doing piracy in the inner planets? It's like this dangerous. Is our, yeah. yeah, it'd be like the Somali pirates operating off the coast of the Jersey Shore. Like <laughs> right. that in itself, like even if it's just an isolated incident, that the fact that it happened would be fucking noteworthy to, to military and intelligence types. And her just kind of slowly trying to like, look, man, you got to follow me on this and him you know, covering his ass and he's got a point, you know, cause you push to this too far. Like if Avasarala pushes it too far and gets kicked off of her committee, then she's just at home with earth uh, on earth with Arjun. And by God, if she's in the wrong place at the wrong time, say, I think the West Southwest coast of Africa is what gets hit at the end of this episode. Yeah. She's no more. Um, and, uh, you know, that's true. I mean, that that was one of the big questions I had this year is like, is the asteroids going to actually hit Earth or is it going to be one of those cliffhangers where they defuse it? You know, 007. Right. There's, oh, 
zero minutes and zero <laughs> seconds left or and, and zero seven seconds left on the clock uh-huh. and it looks like at least one's going to hit dude uh, that, that's what i mean like i talked about in the preview episode how this show and then the books continue to push the boundaries of what i think is possible on a on a scale uh perspective and they're doing it here like they had an asteroid actually hit the earth which i did not think it's it has the potential to be such a game changer that you you almost think well we've got such a good thing going here why change it but every time uh there's that opportunity to you know let off the gas and just idle for a little bit in something good they just they slam on the gas and it keeps getting better and better uh i i I, a lot of emotion constantly impressed by where they go with this show and there's also a lot of emotional stakes for Avasarala because her daughter comes to visit on the moon and you find out to her and Arjun are still estranged. And, uh, you know, her daughter's like, look, mom, I don't, you know, I, I, are you, is this between you and dad because your job is still important or the fact that you can't give up the fact that you don't even have your job anymore? Yeah. You know, you've been put out to pasture and, and you can see that that actually kind of hits home but avasra's got this hunch she's got this itch in the back of her mind that this isn't over that this is this isn't just her imagining things and what do you do when the fate of an entire world and billions perhaps could be in the balance um and you think that fate is in the hands of someone who is not being nearly as cautious as they should be um, yeah yeah uh, good good question and I, the fact that like no one even with all this evidence i mean that's the other thing is like no one they made this point last year that no one can imagine the audacity of a plan like this mm-hmm. that you would no one thinks that mars stealth technology the 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 crown jewels of the martian military thing can be stolen and no one would think that a belter could be sophisticated enough to use it and put it on an asteroid and they're more and it also just just the foolishness of old conflicts like Mar- like earth can't even on a hunch retask its watchtowers uh systems the only thing that can detect a stealth missile because they gotta stay laser locked on mars because what if mars takes this opportunity and she's like mars yeah. doesn't give a f-. and it's really it's really interesting when you actually go to Mars and you see that Mars really doesn't give a fuck. Oh, no, they're like, shutting down Mars. And did you know, like, something that I know I love about the Expanse is they subtly changed their um, intro um, a lot like Game of Thrones. And, and before Mars was all, when you got to Mars, you saw these, like, the cities going up and the lights turning on. Now when you see the soldier standing in the valley, the lights are all winking off. Huh, like, nice. Mars is closing up shop. It's it's and now there's actually rockets taking off uh, in the intro to show that uh, um, and they tell that story. It's it's nothing that they sit down and dwell on. You know, yeah. that Mars is a ghost town. It's something that 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 Bobby had to grapple with and to see Alex grapple with it now. And they don't tell you it's yeah. just him standing around in this Martian city and seeing, oh, my God, this is a ghost town now. Yeah. He's like on the, the DS9 promenade. Nobody's walking through. Garrick shut down shop with a for sale sign on his his store. Yeah. Quarks all bought all bought uh, yeah, all bottles of synthol must go. Yep. <laughs> yep. Selling them two for one. That's not very quark like. Uh, yeah. 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 No, I love that shot uh, when he's just like got all these shops shutting down. And everything just happens just too late. Like, that's the other thing that feels so realistic. Um, she gets this vital piece of intelligence, I think, from Drummer through Fred to Avasarala back channeled about the revealing this it, this plan with the asteroid. Yeah. And she gets it as the asteroid is tearing through the, atm- you know, the, the, the atmosphere of Earth. Um, yeah, it's the thing it's that just, proves just, her theory right. And it just comes, but as, it's, you know, a little bit too late. 
But it's too late. But we know there's what seven to nine other asteroids. Um, yeah. That, so that, rock uh, number. What was it? Rock number nine is the one they show breaking up. Is that? Is that right? I wasn't sure. I I did. I could. I I couldn't keep track of which numbers. I I couldn't read the screens. But yeah, I think I think there's either eight or ten. Um, the open question now is, is there going to be enough time to avert further disaster? Or is this like, mm-hmm. I could also see this being every episode, like one or two rocks hitting Earth and what the hell is Earth going to do about it? You know? Yeah. And even if there's time to, you know, uh, catch rocks before they hit, can they see them? Because this one was only caught because the stealth, uh, you know, shielding was the, the right. stealth paint was only on one side. It was on the inside of the rock. So, yeah. I've also wondered, like. The, the watchtower system, like, is that a 100% kill? Like, if it can find something, it. can it find a rock? Can it find, you know, it's designed to find stealth missiles that still have, like, presumably drive prelooms and are coming on fixed trajectories and probably mm-hmm. probably go, I don't know, maybe going slower than I asteroids. I would think so, yeah. Like, you can, um, you can get an asteroid going pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, just the orbital, orbital velocities around the sun being what they are. Yeah. Um, I, I the the one scientist that they brought in for the second opinion uh, uh, said something about how fast they were going, but I, I didn't catch it. Um, uh-huh. Speaking of that guy, one of the big cliffhangers is what what's the punchline of that joke? I know, Delgado's. man. I feel like the punchline of that joke is in that scene, but I didn't go back and analyze it because he's telling a joke about a bartender who's serving to a Martian and a, a belter, right? And a and belter. Then the guy walks in, and I'm like, okay, that's part of the joke, but what does it mean? Right, and he wants bourbon because, but I, I, because, because a lot of times um, those jokes are like references to other jokes, mm-hmm. like you know. Uh, you know, a Russian, a European, and American walk in a bar, and right. and I wonder. Like, my my guess is something about uh, is going to be something about Earther arrogance. Like the Earther guy just drinks whatever because he doesn't even think about the other two factions. But I don't yeah, know because yeah. I, I tried to search for that form of joke on on Google and I couldn't find nothing. So uh, I, I I need to know the punchline. If you know the punchline to this, uh, I imagine some old intelligence or military joke. Uh, send it in to expanse at baldmove.com because I would like to know it. It bugged me. It bugged me that yeah. that never came back up. Uh, I, we might be done talking about Avasarala's stuff for now. Uh, maybe we should think move so. over to Drummer because she's very closely tied, like you said, with that message um, to Avasarala's plot. So she's she's out in space, uh, you know, basically on an, a quest to avenge Ashford. Right? She's out there hunting pirates um, and and looking for Marco so she can kill him. Uh, and she eventually yeah. finds Ashford's old ship and it's been totally stripped. And, you know, that leads her to the the backup data, which has the message. And she sends to Fred and Fred sends to Avasarla, uh, all that. I think um, I really like because it's, it's I've always thought Drummer's a badass, but she's always been someone else's second banana. You know, her career has always been about being under other other people um, that are actually calling the shots. And one of the reasons she says in the, the show is that she she turned down Ashford's because uh, um, uh, he you know he wanted to hunt down and I don't think she did she wanted to kind of do her own thing make her own name and kind of like dip out of politics for a while uh, and there's this like the, I don't know she's not exactly Robin Hood uh, what she's doing is she's waiting for Belter pirates to jump colony ships and then she comes in for the rescue charges ten percent of their take and makes sure no one dies yeah. Uh, 
Because she's got this like the wire philosophy is like, you know, the petty crimes, petty crime bodies is what draws attention and inner attention looks like belter bodies. So she's kind yeah. of doing this. It's not altruistic. It's a service like I'm I'm sparing people's lives uh, and I'm taking a I'm, I'm taking a cut of it. It's a protection racket. Also, you know, it's, it's not protect- quite a racket because the attack was going to happen anyway. She's. But, you know, it's almost like bat. Yeah, it's, it's like Batman. Only he charges you money after he <laughs> saves you from the mugger. Right. Uh, or he takes a cut of the mugger's money. Make sure the mugger doesn't hurt you. Like yeah. it's uh, and I, I did like the where the um, colonist ship, uh, you know, questions her about like, you know, how can you sleep? You took everything from my side. And she's like, I did not take everything because, you know, you can lose a hell of a lot more in 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 the in the void out here. Oh, yeah. Um but she's just such a badass. She's got two ships. I did she hit that other pirate ship with like an EMP bomb? I'm I not really so. familiar. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I just, I fucking love all the military stuff. Like I don't understand what all's happening, but like this, it's it happens so fast. Like another ship comes in, launches two torpedoes. One of them gets taken out by this flat gun, but the other one hits and I guess disables it. Um, it's just, you know, Drummer looks like a badass. Her makeup is full on death mask. Like she's got these just jet black eye sockets and she's super pale. She looks like a skull uh, commanding this. It's 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 just really, really badass. Um, the, the, the fact that she's found kind of like a family. I thought, I thought that them exploring that, like yeah. uh, the, the loyalty she asked her crew and vice versa was really good, too. Yeah, that's that's the part that's making me think. uh that they're they might be setting her up to become Michio Pa from one of the later books, and I won't spoil anything, but um, it, yeah, that that like ship family sort of dynamic is, <laughs> you know, more more sexual than the one even that's going on on the Rossi. Uh, that was another cool like how kind of like for by twenty first century uh, non conventional you've got like. Uh-huh thruples and couples and they're all kinds of mixes of genders and sexualities and races and it's just a big 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 puppy piles of, I, of belters and beds and stuff i i learned the term from my wife uh while you're watching this episode polycule have you heard that term yeah poly, yeah okay. yeah polycule yeah sure yeah, that's how she described this mm-hmm uh um, but yeah they also they 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 by finding uh Ashford's ship they now have a modest armada of three ships. Um, clauses used to be the most what the most powerful like belter skiff in the in the belt and probably not now that Fred's pumping them out and 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 providing the OPA with a real navy. But uh, for independent crew, you know, having these these three ships is going to offer them a lot of options uh, yeah. in their piracy for sure. Um, Serge is her pilot. I, he was in one of the books. I think he was in book three and he died during one of the mutinies on the behemoth. Mm. Um, so they brought that character in, uh, to this season. I, I really don't know why. Maybe because it's a cool name. Do, do you know the, the name of drummer's lover? Is that her XO as well too? I don't. Uh, you know what? Uh, that's actually the woman. Isn't that the woman who played uh Susan Jacobs in Mister Robot? Susan yes, Jacobs is the I knew woman I'd who seen died her in, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I'd seen her somewhere. Um, it's it's yeah. like it's not a Koya. I know that's a scientist. It's something like the Oksana, maybe or. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch her name. You know what? But, I re- and, and also, I don't even know what positions mean in uh, a pirate ship. You know, you you have a captain, yeah. you probably have a second command, but it kind of probably gets pretty loose uh, and cross trainee down from there. Because you know, when everyone, 
you know, uh, th- that's the other cool thing is like how they all pull together, you know, like they're mm-hmm. they're just it felt like kind of like a fire, you know, Firefly that they're just looking yeah. to fly one more day. You know, they're just trying to get enough money to keep keep out here and keep doing the thing. Um, I mean, frankly, it's a lot like the Rossi dynamic, right? Yeah. And how her crew like will work tirelessly. Like they really sell like what a big job it was to salvage Ashford's ship. Yeah. Um, and even then, when she announces that they're going to go after Marco, everyone's nervous and afraid, but they're going to do it. And it's not until her um, lover slash XO comes and says, like, you know, you do have a family. And because of that, maybe you don't want to just throw us into a meat grinder for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Although uh, I got to uh, say, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say about that, she opens that bottle of McGlinton's or whatever, which I think mm-hmm. is not a real whiskey. I looked it up. Uh, and then she puts the cap right back on it without drinking it. Is that her saying, okay, she's not quite done with the memory of Ashford? Or is that her like putting him on a shelf for to, to deal with later after they have some kind of stability? My, my guess is that that is being put away from a spe- for a special occasion and i'm guessing the special occasion is marco's head being put on the the prow of her ship <laughs> but but it's but that's also the moment where she has come off this uh, avenging mission right like i i get the impression yeah. that she is simultaneously like holding this candle uh for you know some kind of revenge but also they're off mi- off that mission now they're they're off the mission. I think it'd be very easy for them to get back on the mission, especially with the with a good shit enough lead going to be the next couple episodes. And also, I, I think that from her mental state in this episode, um, she's putting it aside because like if Fred gets him, if Avasarala gets him of Earth or Mars, whoever, like she's going to save that yeah. for when Marcos is strung up and wherever it is by whoever's hand. And she's going to drink a toast to to uh, Ashford at that, you know, because like. Okay. I felt like they'd done a pretty good job of showing that they had a real mentor mentee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, almost father daughter type of relationship um, that, you know, she he taught her how to be a pirate. Fred taught her how to be uh, a leader. And now she's putting all those skills to 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 use uh, on her own. And, uh, you know, both of both of those. Uh, I think both of those people are important to her. So, um but yeah, I think she's she's got it. It's, she's she's not going to directly go into revenge, but it's probably going to be pretty easy to redirect her back. <laughs> <laughs> sure. The other thing I noticed in drummer scenes is there are a lot of Dewalt logos, uh, like on screens in her ship and stuff. And I'm wondering, one of her ships is called Dewalt. Is it called Dewalt? Okay, that's why it was up there. I was wondering if that was like product placement okay. for the construction, <laughs> the tool company, yeah, because she's, I she's, could see that right. Like Dewalt is the yeah. uh, you know the the what. But, whatever Mikowski Mao, whatever it is. Sure. Cause uh, that, that corp- corporation got broke up. So there's probably, yeah, it's just, she's piloting the DeWalt and the Ryobi into battle. Is the two <laughs> right. names of the ships. <laughs> yeah. Ashford ship is the Makita. It's, it's uh, the DeWalt and the Motang is, uh, okay. is the two, the names of the two ships. So unfortunately not Ryobi. Um, yeah. They, they got, uh, they got bought out by uh, the, the, fucking black and decker uh, conglomerate in 2237 so the ryobi's syndicate no more uh the other plot line here that's sort of connected to these other two uh the marco stuff maybe is holden and monica and what they're up to during uh this and i guess fred johnson as well we kind of group them together uh, oh wait! Before we move on, do yeah. you, do you agree with my chain of custody? Did there's no way Drummer sent this right to Avasarala? 
she sent it to Fred, I'm if guessing. She's, the only way that would not be true is if she's like spoofing Fred's number or something. Because when Avasarala gets the call, it comes from Fred Johnson. Ah, okay. That makes because the other the other uh the other possibility I considered is uh Sake. Um uh I forget the already the name of the Belter mechanic. But uh she mentioned that Fred's organization leaks like a sieve. Yeah. Or no, no, Monica does. Monica, Monica does. does. Uh-huh. So I thought that maybe Avasarala has her like, you know, she got that um through some clandestine mint. But it's, it seems like okay. So yeah, it goes drummer to to Fred to Avasarala. I think so. Why does why does Fred share this intel with her? I hmm. I mean, I assume it's because he doesn't want to see Earth destroyed either. But I I don't know. Fred's Fred's tough to read sometimes. You know, uh, he is an Earther. Plus, I I think he thinks that's what a good he wants the belt and Earth and Mars to be. He wants he doesn't want to be their superior. Like Marcos does. Marcos wants the Belter way to be the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Fred wants ever. Fred wants an equal seat at the table and to be a friend. And friends look out for each other. He wants you know? there still to be a table, whereas Marco doesn't even want the table yeah. to exist. Yeah, he wants to flip over the table and, and have uh, the Terrans, uh, well, uh, all the inners underneath uh, the Belter heel. Yeah, and it's just different philosophies on on how to go about securing Belter power. All right, let's move over to. Um, yeah, Holden and Monica and Fred, because uh, they're all tied in together. And Monica is kind of the impetus for all this. Uh, maybe we should talk about Holden because he finds himself in an interesting place at the beginning of this season, which is Amos has gone off to do his thing on Earth. Uh, Alex has gone off to do his thing on Mars. Naomi is off to Palace Station uh, on a mission to find Philip. He's he's left all alone. I, I don't know how much you how much you understood because in the book they go into this a lot how holden just feels completely uh just at no ease whatsoever when he's got this downtime and he's away from his crew he just he just doesn't know what to do with himself um and they they do that pretty effectively i thought in the show where you know they show him flipping through the messages and being sort of bummed that no nobody's contacted him and realizing like, oh, my, my crew is gone my ship is in dry dock here i can't do much and then he goes down and he's trying to like you know, uh, not necessarily spearhead the repairs of the Rossi, but like get his fingers into that pie. Yeah, make sure it's being done right. He's just restless. Um, and that, that that I thought came through pretty well, but I've read the book, so I wasn't sure if you like picked up on all that stuff. Yeah, I got it. His kind of loan, the fact that he's kind of upset or not upset. Well, no, upset that, that Naomi's kind of freezing him out on the mission that she's going on, and that leaves him kind of un- and he's worried about it. The fact he's yeah, like yeah. kind of looking at her ship leave the station. Uh, I thought they told the story. They also, I thought they did a really good job if you hadn't, you know, um, rewatched the series like we had leading up to this, um, kind of reacquainting everyone with the stakes through Holden's story. Like there's this big screen TV in the background showing like what a boom time it is for the belters and particularly because they hold the ring gate through Medina station. And there's, you know, new worlds opening up all the time. And these there's been no more protomolecule type of uh, mischief. Um, And uh, they do they do a lot of really good stuff like that. And the uh, the war college speech to kind of give like if if you didn't understand, you'd forgotten the critical importance of the station and how it worked. They did a really good job of catching people up, I thought, without stopping and just giving exposition. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, Monica gets this. lead on something you know she's investigating the the protomolecule sample that's that's still out there uh 
and ends up getting herself into a situation where she's captured and put into a storage container and stored at Tycho Station amongst the other shipping containers. Uh, Which and, is not, I mean, that's that's so effective because they that big establishing swooping shot showed yeah. us like what a fucking dockyard that is. Like thousands of these containers stacked deep and all over the place. So yeah. it's like a really frightening situation to be in. And it makes me question like, why would someone do this? Because the the thing that I expected is, oh, they stuck her in here and, you know, they expect her to die. But they put an, a CO2 scrubber, uh, an O2, mm-hmm. an air oxygen cleaner or whatever. Uh, yeah, like an Inside the thing. Envir- yeah. Why do that if you want someone dead? They clearly don't want her dead. They that want, was my question, uh, It's too. a distraction, right? It seems like a distraction to me. Maybe I that's the thing I couldn't figure out is like, what critical importance does this journalist who has been on the forefront of a lot of stuff? And I don't know whether like Marcos wants to capture her to use her as a mouthpiece, you know, to kind of like uh, uh, get his story out um, or what. But that was one of the questions I had, because like it's. You know, the Fred locks everything down, so she's dead or alive. She's on the station, but like, yeah, why not just why not just kill her or silence her? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't either. Hopefully, we I, get one later. I did like the one of the things in, in passing is like we get to see all four of the member uh, crew of the Rossi kind of like dealing with their fame. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, aim, uh, I, like Holden gets recognized at the bar, and everyone kind of salutes him, and I like how he's kind of like puts on the good face, and he turns back. He's like, I'm mother. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. Amos doesn't really get to use his fame because he's he's out of context. Yeah, Naomi almost gets killed for it, and uh, Al- Alex is just uh, I don't know, kind of in, in enjoying it, I suppose. But uh, I liked everyone. You know, the fact that the Rasinanti is I don't even know how the hell there's no there's there's no terrestrial way to talk about this level of fame. Like imagine like a Caribbean pirate. Mm-hmm. But or more privateer that would be world famous because the internet existed in the 16th century. Like, yeah, what are the these people are like Che Guevara and like George Washington and Ernest Hemingway and like they're all this wrapped up like uh, uh, all, all in one and they've been at the center of like all this crazy action. So it, yeah, their uh, faces I like to show been all the, over the news. It's it's like a, a movie star that also has a a. Gal- galaxy not galaxy a system saving mythos around them right yeah and i like that especially holden who's kind of been the face of all this like he just uh it, it would be unrealistic if the show didn't deal with the fact that these yeah. people are famous and i like that they're doing it in in, in their way and amos maybe because he's he's trying to stay off camera as much as possible mm-hmm. um, uh is is it belter paparazzi that uh, kind of congregates around naomi when she gets off a of palace station or is that like I, trying to sell her was, things or I thought that was everyone desperate to get off. Like they want okay, to, to find like, are you a colony ship? Cause they were all screaming like I'm qualified to do this. I'm an excellent engineer. I've got to stri-. like, they're just wanting to get the hell off of that because you know, everything like, uh, you know, if you're not on a gravity, well, living large, there's that thousand planets out there waiting for you to get that slice of the pie. So like if you're poor and you got nothing, it's just like trying to get anyone like, yeah, do you need a mechanic? Do you need this? Do you need that? I, Cause I was confused that the first time I watched it and you know, having screeners, you don't get subtitles, but that's yeah. what I thought. It's like you're they're just desperate to get off any ship, any transport, any freighter lands probably gets this treatment. Yeah. It works either way. Uh, I liked it. So yeah, they, they find her, they find this message. Um, 
there's a lot of little stuff that we're kind of glossing over. Like, hey, right, let's talk about their conversation between Fred and Holden. There's a real nice yeah. long conversation where they talk politics, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred's got the proto molecule, and I think he's right. If the belt didn't have the proto molecule, and our Earth and Mars both knew about it, they'd probably bull- already bullied him out of the ring gate. But since this faction does have like a super, a legit super weapon, uh, you know, they, they have this fragile balance. And what Fred's point is like once the OPA can patrol itself and have w- enough warships to kind of protect itself and we won't need any more and I'll be the first one to get rid of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's an open I feel question. Like pro- just when I thought the proto molecule was a dead issue on this show and it's just going to be ring gates and it's no, that that stares no fucking way. There's no fucking way. Uh, what's that guy's name? Cortazar, uh-huh. the, the, the scientist, the crazy ass scientist yeah. getting the, uh, abducted. Like, there's no way that this isn't going to become. And then it, it makes it really ominous. That first episode newscast where like, oh, the machines are dead. Mm-hmm. And Alex saying like, well, now that the last of that proto shit is gone, it's the, that'll never happen again. Oh, God. They do so much with like setting up the rug and laying it out so nicely just so they can pull it out from under you eventually. <laughs> like, it, you know, the, at the end of this uh, three episode arc there's an asteroid that hits earth and causes huge amounts of devastation and i like how early on they're just like uh holden's telling fred like the world will go on without you uh nothing's gonna change don't worry and then boom the earth is getting hit with massive rocks it's yeah, they, they set up a lot of this stuff really well just to yank it out from under you. And a lot of it's, it's a lot like Avasarala's speech. Like, why are you doing this still? This is dumb. You've got a ship. You got people that love you. I really yeah. like uh, Holden's Holden's affect when he's trying to explain the drummer or not drummer Fred about getting his brain reprogrammed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and oh, my God, the lines that Fred has. Uh, he says, uh, you know, son, claiming brain damage isn't the way to convince me on this. <laughs> and then later on, when they're looking for Monica and the phone bit and, and he picks up, he's he's like, what, what did you do? He says, I just pushed a button. And he goes, Jesus Christ, that really is how you go through life in it. Yeah. Is that from the book? Because it, I oh don't my, I don't think so. That sentiment is in the book, not that line. But that line is so good. It may be the best that line, line in had the first me rolling yeah. and. You know, Chad did such a great job. To, you know, I've missed Fred for so so much of the the yeah. last few seasons. He's just been like in, and I uh, he he's so great. But that yeah, that's just that's really how you go through life in it. So funny, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it, it you know. So you talked about how you've missed Fred. I miss Anderson Dawes, and Dawes is mentioned in this episode. Um, he he says the Dawes confirmed the video, right? This is actual footage of Cortazar being taken. Dawes had Cortazar. Fred has the proto molecule. I think, and that's you might not split. remember that because it's been so long. What was that season? It has two. two. The end of season mm-hmm. two, Dawes takes Cortazar uh, and flies mm-hmm. off of Tycho. So, uh, yeah, I I'm thinking at this point that we're not going to get Jared Harris back because they just keep mentioning him. Jared Harris has gone on to become a a very big star uh, in some high profile things like Chernobyl. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this show is going to bring him back. Uh, And I'm a little sad. I wish they would because I I felt like that he was always going to be like him and Fred uh, teaming up was going to be the natural counter to Marco. You know, yeah. like they both had like a bigger. Well, I don't know. Like Marco's got a big plan for the belt, but they they had a more conventional kind of like, hey, 
uh, equal status among other nations kind of thing. And Marco doesn't. Marco A more moderate approach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's funny is because until Marco showed up, I would say that Dawes was the radical and yeah. and Johnson the conservative. <laughs> but now, <laughs> now Dawes is a centrist. It's, Holy shit, it, I guess. Dawes is a radical from a certain point of view, but uh-huh. not Marco's. Uh-huh. And uh, they they did a really good job of showing how Fred Johnson's kind of losing. You know, he had that great scene where he's yelling at Bull and uh, uh, about like you know don't want to lose control of the state. And he's like, I've already lost control. I want to get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think I can't remember in book three if this was a big deal with Bull, but the fact that he's you know a Terran Marine, you know, ate as much mud and probably spilt as much blood as Fred Johnson, the you know butcher of Anderson Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a real problem, his hatred of belters, I think, and being a security force over them. Like, that's always yeah. a bad idea. That's essentially the same plot of Murtry last year. He's not as yeah. big an asshole as Murtry, and he's got a shorter leash to a saner person, but... And what was going on always... on Sirius Station? Like, this is the belter plight, right? The belters are being used for the purposes of Earth and, well, largely Earth, but the inners in general. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's always been that way, and that's what they're fighting against. That's what Marco's fighting against. That's what uh, you know Dawes is fighting against. And it, you know, it's it's if things are left to their own devices, and if you know something isn't done about it uh, definitively, then Earth will continue to do what they've always done to the belt. Yeah, and it sucks because, like, in the, from the Belters' perspective, if they do what they're told and do their jobs, they're neglected, abused, ignored, uh, mm-hmm. taken advantage of. And if they try to fight back, they're terrorists and they're brutalized. Right. So, and 99% of them just want to live and raise families, and they're caught in between. It's a really miserable, really, really miserable situation with very easy uh, real-world analogs uh, to yeah. have to plug in there. Uh, so let's plug in another character, yeah? These these other ones are kind of off on their own missions. I I, I think that we, we we ought to that they actually did find Monica at the last minute. Yeah, and they saved her life. The, the the other thing is uh there is the, the the final note on this Holden plot is uh the Marco's ship or the, the they do a whole con- bunch of there's there's a whole bunch of steps of them trying to track down who owns this container, but there is a ship inbound, the Zamea, which is Russian for snake that's coming to the station to pick up that container. And their plan is to let it in, close the doors, and then hopefully capture and interrogate them and, and have that lead to Marco. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right. Somebody who is sort of connected in a, in a way, uh, yeah, is Alex and Bobby. Um, they're kind of on the same mission over the course of this. Like Alex goes to Mars and he wants to <laughs> go reconnect with his wife and his kid and that goes spectacularly wrong um they want absolutely nothing to do with him uh his kid a little a little more so but um it still won't return like the i love you that alex gives him it's awkward yeah yeah it's super awkward um and you know while he's on mars he connects with bobby who is on this mission to figure out where the martian weapons that are being supplied to belters are coming from uh, and she's doing that with the backing of Ava Sarala. Um, as we saw last in the last episode of last season, she reconnected with Ava Sarala, and now they're on that mission together. Has some serious bankroll. Like, she's got some serious money. It seems like she's used some of that to help her crime boss's wife and child from last season get off of Mars, and, and they're on the way to a colony ship. We get So she's doing 
her part to help people. Um, I like that. That's that's a sort of two birds, one stone thing, right? Because it gets him out of yeah. the equation, which he's, you know, one of the guys spearheading a lot of this buying of, of Martian weapons and, and the transfer of, of weapons. It's funny because when she's out there on the on Mars, the, the Martian planes doing a complicated deal for a Goliath weapons suit. Uh, power suit uh i thought like oh man this is like carrie matherson from like a homeland type early goings of homeland like you know trying to investigate terror and and do all this financial stuff then she gets back to her bobby cave and she throws up like a hollow one of those hollow like you know classic red yarn boards with all these connections yeah yeah. you see this all the time i was like oh man we're getting some uh uh martian homeland Mm -hmm. um it's pretty pretty cool i like i like I like Bobby working as this kind of like secret agent undercover. It's really, really, really cool. You know, you said the Bobby cave. What I cannot wait for is when she has to bust out all this gear. Like her and a Goliath well, suit with a bunch of stealth missile, stealth uh, wrist rockets. And I, I don't know what she's going to have, but it's going to be amazing. Yeah, man. When she goes, when when uh, Alex is like, all right, we'll get ready. And she's like, hold on a second. I go get a couple things. I'm uh-huh. like, next time we see her, she's going to be like fucking mech warrior. It's going to be. Oh, yeah. It's going to be insane. It's going to be the Iron Giant version of Bobby. And I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. Yep. That's exciting. Uh, so they, you know, are on this mission. They're trying to track down who's leaking the supplies. She thinks it's uh, this admiral. Um, it's Sa- Sava something. Savatar. Salvatore. Salvatore, Salvatore, I think is how they pronounced it. And he was, he was Alex's captain on a ship back when Alex was in the Navy and Alex was just a sled driver. Uh, So they had this connection that Alex is hoping to use to, to get a little bit of information. Yeah. And he, uh, during the course of this, he goes to the the school where he, the military school, I think, where he's giving this speech about tactics um, in this course. And then he connects with uh, one of his underlings. I don't. I don't really know the position of this woman. Um, She's a lieutenant. She, I, yeah, must be one one of his assistants. You know. Yeah, something like that. Um, and she's trying to get information from him about why he's there, and he's trying to get information from her. It's kind of that classic, you know, two two people with ulterior motives here. Plus, uh, Alex, the fucking idiot that he is, is more interested in the romance angle. There's that like, too. Like, yeah. You know, Bobby, uh, you know, I think she's into me kind of like, gee, like and, and Bobby's just like long suffering, like Alex, come on. And uh, I love it. Yeah, this is a, this is so Alex. It is. It's very Alex. Yeah, he, he's he's the guy who makes uh, he's unlucky in love. He makes a lot of romantic mistakes uh, and he's here confronting two of them now, making two of them. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so they find you know they figure out why he's there because he's investigating the admiral, and they try and kill him. But Bobby comes in and saves him at the last minute. Uh, so they've they've basically sussed out. Okay, this admiral is involved in this, but we're we're we kind of dead end there. I think. I want to talk about some of the just like, like crowd pleasers. Uh, Alex suggesting to meet at this fucking this Mariner Valley. Bar, I fucking love it. Yeah, deep south. Got saddles for seats. Probably got a mechanical bull in the corner. Uh-huh. Uh, shit kicking Martian bar. And, and these and LED not- cowboy L- hats. Oh, <laughs> yes. The five gallon LED radioactive hats. Uh, and just it's Bobby so not having any of it. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Can you live down the stair? And just giving some brutal truth. Like everyone, everyone is ex. Are they still married? Who? Is, is him and Alex, Lydia, his, uh, his wife? Uh, are the I maybe officially, maybe technically, but 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're... No, they're like super estranged. But like she, the 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 brutal thing of like you know, well, which answer do you want? And the answer you actually get is you don't get to know. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, his kid saying like, I gotta go, Dad. I gotta hang out with my friends. And yeah, I probably don't love you anymore. And then Bobby being like, Yeah, you want to be your son's hero? You should have showed up three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Bobby's. That's the thing is like. Bobby's pretty pissed because she's a Martian's Martian and she's been disillusioned by what Mars has become and what Mars's future is going to obviously be. Um, she's kind of probably still bristling over the fact that she's pr- she's a traitor to mm-hmm. Mars. Uh, she, you know, if she wasn't before, she is now. Uh, and, you know, this guy coming back and just wanting to be like old times is really piss- deeply pisses her off. Um, yeah. But she needs him. Uh, but yeah, I, I like I like seeing Alex go through in high speed all the things that Bobby went through um, in a more controlled fra- fashion last last year. Um, I yeah, also really sure. like the work the War College lecture is I thought I, it's it's too bad because that whoever at stand up stood up and an, an, asked a question the admiral looked like a real jerk ass because I'm like what how can you not see that this is an important choke point? Yeah. Like, did you, did you are you flunking out of military college? But it, it again, it explains the people that maybe were shaky on or returning from the previous seasons. Like, you know, oh yeah, this is why Medina station's important. And, um, right. I mean, you think about like well, only one of these, these ring, these gates is actually, uh, could actually put up any resistance. You know, everybody who's going through the gate is going out there with supplies to survive, uh, right. and set up a colony. They're not going out there with warships. Uh, so yeah. as long as you control like even... the one to, to soul system, you're good. Yeah. And how would you even, like, what would fighting within the ring station even look like? You know, the last time stuff like that happened, a lot of bad shit went down. So, like, you piss yeah. off the wrong machine in there and fusion stops working or... You know, uh, it's, you can no longer bind oxygen to carbon, then you're you're fucked. Uh, right. And I, I think it and the thing that's scary about this guy, though, is like if you listen to his speech, it's pretty fucking fashy because he's essentially oh, yeah. saying like, you know, sometimes you can't think about stuff too hard. You just got to act and you got to mm-hmm. be ready for bold, you know, uh, the ma- manifest destiny type situations. It's it's the kind of rhetoric you'd hear from a guy who's just going to amorally sell everything off for his own profit to, I don't know. Does he think I, that's, that's the other question is like, is this guy? Cause Alex described him. He said, he's got more dust in his veins than blood. Has he really turned this traitor to Mars? Is he really this about personal advancement or does he think in some kind of magneto way that this is the best way? Does he think that like Mars and the belt can overcome earth together. Like I'm, I'm really curious to see if he's got any agenda beyond just like, how can I get rich? How can I make a buck off of this? Um, I don't know. Like I, I have to, if I'm him, um, and I've, you know, been this Martian loyalist for so long and I see Mars crumbling out from underneath me. Um, I have to, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit and say, what is Mars going to look like in 10 years? Uh, well, Bad. if there if there is no Mars and the leadership of Mars is still intact, the government of Mars is still intact. What does that even mean? Uh, if there's nobody on Mars because everyone's left because it's easier to go out and find a new planet. Yeah, it's going to look like Gary, Indiana. They have mayor and city council, too. But like, what the hell are they counseling? Uh, so he, he could yeah, no. he could sort of look at that as like Mars is not going to be Mars based anymore. Right. Mars is going to be based everywhere mars is the new humanity um and you know whatever other leaders he can bring along with him in that in that goal he'll he'll do it but like mars isn't a thing anymore i think that's what everybody's kind of sussed out 
but it's scary because like Martian, the Martian, if, like putting the Martian mentality throughout all of humanity, I don't know is necessarily healthy because like, you know, yeah. um, Martians are very collectively driven, which I think is cool mm-hmm. and, and something that we should be more, more in 300 years in the future. But they're also very militaristic and yeah. they're also very organized around being deprived and doing without and always like, like looking over your shoulder and being in conflict with this. other. That's not exactly a healthy mental attitudes to export. Um, so like, yeah, making like taking the Martian mindset and making remaking humanity into that. I don't know if uh, it sounds like you need a synthesis of like the yeah. Terran Martian and Belter philosophies to really have a healthy humanity. But uh, seems like it. Um. Okay. Oh, how, and also Alex. Uh, yeah, Alex uh, getting jumped and uh, like saving <laughs> saving Bobby with his last vestiges of control, just spider monkey monkeying this uh-huh. guy. Like I thought that was really funny, and you know, giving Bobby another chance to to wreck shop was um, pretty cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the open question I have going into the next episodes are: I feel like this lieutenant. Uh, Babbage had Alex's number the entire time and I'm not sure she gave him straight answers on this this feels like a trap that him and Bobby um, are walking into she also didn't seem prepared for the question Um, like when he started digging about like which ship is it you know she didn't she didn't seem like she had a good answer so she might have given him an accidental real answer maybe Uh, maybe but but, I think she'll know but that I'm saying is like an as cool as uh you know, Bobby Draper as Iron Giant's going to be, there could easily be a dozen Marines with that much armor and, and more because they're they think they're going on an illegal arm sale. So you're going to have a Martian skiff just packed to the gills with weapons. Yeah, so could be uh, that could go that could go badly. Uh, one other thing that I liked seeing uh, in this episode is the kind of external shots of all of these stations um, like you get mm-hmm. one from from luna station uh and i don't know if that's the armstrong facility or whatever that uh officer level was talking city about. level city right okay armstrong yeah. must be somewhere Jim else L- named after the doom the not doomed the uh almost doomed but turned out heroic mm-hmm. pilot of or commander for apollo 13 yeah by th- tom hanks that's super cool uh i love seeing that and i love seeing the the martian colonies here like you get you get a, a glimpse of like the way that they transport from one place to another is via cable cars, which I thought was yeah. kind of smart for a low G rugged terrain environment, right? Sure. Why overbuild it? You just got these like monofilament monorails slapping around everywhere. And the amount of energy, it seems economical too. Like it can't take as much energy to pull these cable cars as it does to like, you know, hover in a spaceship and get that oh, moving. Yeah. So like there's no oh, hardly any air resistance on Mars too. Um, their atmosphere is very, very thin. Yeah. No, it was really cool. I like seeing that stuff. Um, and also, you don't need Elon. You don't need Elon Musk vacuum tubes. You just essentially run them on the surface and get the same effect. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I also like seeing Baltimore. Uh, we get that with Amos, and maybe we can move over to Amos uh, here and talk about that because he lands. Let's do it uh, in the level city uh, on Luna on the moon, obviously, and he gets pulled aside by Avasarala. Uh, and interrogated, like, "Why the hell are you here? Like, you're part of James Colden's crew. Something's up." Uh, he says, I'm here to, you know, investigate uh, this, this, the death of this woman who meant a lot to me on Earth, and she lets him go, still suspicious. Uh, and then over the course of investigating that, he meets uh, Lydia's lover, husband. Uh, I don't know what he is exactly, um, 
but they were together for for many years and she uh, like leading up to her death and amos is trying to figure out is this guy up to no good did something happen here or did she actually die of natural causes and he ultimately decides okay the guy's telling me the truth and then this guy is living in her house but he's being kicked out by the person who was paying for it eric who will will then see amos go to and say hey you got to keep taking care of this this lydia's husband until he dies too he's like okay fine is this guy actually uh, amos's brother or is that kind of like uh you know, the no. same way belters call each other uh, Baratna, you know, as uh, far as I know. Yeah, it's it's a Baratna situation. But they were like came up together because they talk about being street trash and like spending time on the docks and looking. So they they have. And, yeah. And uh, well, I understand that the real Amos Burton, which was, uh, you know, we, we found out with through Monica's digging in season three was a crime boss of note on Baltimore that disappeared. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Amos wanted to kill Eric Uh our Amos, Timothy, decided to kill him instead and then put Eric in his position. Um, or at least but, left a power vacuum enough that Eric crawled into it, right? Yeah. And he's got this, he's got this like little, uh, the, the, his like strong hand. So like, I'm not sure if that's a, um, I'm not sure what they're going with that. Like, is this like a mutation or um, just a birth, it's an injury birth defect, or um, a birth defect? Because- as far as I know, it's the same as in the book. Okay, cool. Um, but I thought that was that was pretty striking, and I like the fact that he loves this guy, and they go way back. But he's also so dangerous. It's like, look, man, don't ever come back to the planet because I'll have to kill you. You know, yeah. especially since Amos said, "Hey, I'm not here to take anything of yours mm-hmm. except for this bomb ass bottle of bourbon. <laughs> That's mine. It's it's tequila. That's it. Actually, That's it. if if I'm is it? Yeah, if I'm to uh, uh, read into that based on the book, it's tequila. Amos loves tequila. I want to also talk about um i i like amos flirting with avasarala they started this with uh, teaching him teaching her to walk around and yeah he's calling her chrissy now and she's like don't and i'm a i'm a prime minister or whatever i'm part of parliament not your favorite strippers that you could be both (laughs) uh i i i love all that shit i think it's really it's really cute and funny um him doing the reverse shakedown of the belter shaking down the the people in that shuttle uh, I was a little disappointed that they they told the fight in almost all yes. flashback. I I've, so I hated that moment. Like, look, there, there are moments that I don't like in this series. This is one of the very rare ones um, because, God, that amps me up. And this is, like I said, verbatim from the book. So I know what's coming here. And I'm like, I'm going to get to see this. Finally, it's described. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I, I've told you I know in person. There is a one scene in book five um Mm -hmm. where i just i lost my shit with amos it was it was amazing it was written so well uh is it was it this one it's this scene yeah when he goes and fights these guys in the shower the way they describe it in the book is like he breaks that guy's arm uh who comes at him with a gun or a knife Uh or whatever and then the guys start running at him the book says amos runs at them arms outstretched like uh, greeting a long lost lover and i just Uh like it's such a perfect (laughs) description of the way amos approaches hand-to-hand combat just he's gonna he revels in this stuff he loves it he does and there's so many like the easter egg i was talking about in the preview uh pod that we recorded last week uh did you notice it that he's got his backpack is mercury's backpack and mercury's name's crossed out in red and amos wrote in like essentially crayon amos over his name so like not only not only beat mercury silly he took all his shit and he's using his shit 
And I thought that was I thought that was really funny. Just the way that yeah, like the the way he just kept interrupting this guy with this story about how long he could hold his breath with these. Like yeah, yeah you could use knockout gas on me, but how many bones of yours do you think I could break? It's it's great. Uh, and they also uh, use that moment for some emotional. So so here's why I didn't hate that that you know showing the fight scene as flashback because it gets you all amped up and you want to see him kick ass, but then they. They spin it into instead of an exciting place, an emotionally devastating place, right? Where yeah. he's le- he's bleeding, he's standing under the water in the shower, just like zoned out. Um, yeah. And you can tell the wounded child. This fight was not so much about like the injustice of of this insurance scam or whatever. It's more about like what he's going to do to the person who perhaps killed Lydia, right? When he gets yeah. there, yeah. Um, yeah. And it shows bleed. They do a great job with a character who is in a lot of ways a sociopath um, in in humanizing him and making him, you know, leak a little bit of emotion out of that facade uh, throughout the course of these three episodes. I really like it. And I, I like everything. Everything was so badass leading up to that. Just him just shutting these guys down and then him going to take a shower to his horrified roommates. Also, uh-huh. just like Amos willing this old lady to not snore anymore, just like staring her down as she's unconscious. <laughs> like that was funny. And then he gets up. He's like, "What are you doing? You you crazy?" He's like, "I just hate. I just hate waiting. I'm just gonna get this thing over with." Yep. Um, the UN guys uh, 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 grabbing him as soon as he lands. He's like, "Hey, look, uh, I didn't do anything." And also, are those guys started it, and they were all alive when I left. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I feel like he killed at least one of those guys. Um, hey, say he didn't. Did you? So there's a little detail I noticed that they talked about this uh, Augustin uh, Gamera Memorial. Now, I don't know if they made this a slight point in last season, because I remember Naomi talking about this. But I guess in the books, this was the ship that Marco uh, Naomi wrote this code to weaken a fusion reactor's containment field to stress test it and shared it with him. And he used it to blow up a civilian ship. This is the ship. I don't think they've ever actually put that. Is this like an Easter egg for book readers or what? But like. Um, I did a little because hmm. I was like looking up the names of the ships. Um, and uh, yeah. there's also this this ship was uh, named after a soldier and statement statesman by the name of Augustin Gamera, and he was like uh, the Peruvian George Washington fighting for their independence. Hmm. Uh, okay. And uh, I thought I thought, but yeah, the fact that there's this memorial and this is kind of like I don't even think Amos realizes it, but this is like a monument to Naomi's sins or her perceived sins. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, ships floating around. I, I don't remember this um, one. Other really cool details about the Baltimore is I loved how all of the roofs are covered in solar panels, uh, yep. which, you know, we could do right now. Might might be uh-huh. a good idea. I don't know. Uh, advertising for cricket protein. <laughs> sure. Uh, there's uh, a lot of like electric trains to go along with that. And also, I was just like, you know, the Baltimore doesn't look like I've seen modern Baltimore and it doesn't look like this doesn't look that shitty. But then it's just like how many people are just everywhere living outdoors. People casually yeah. carrying around these enormous uh, aluminum baseball bat with spikes and shit like it looks like uh, you wouldn't be so bad to live there. But you see, you know, you scratch underneath the surface just a little bit and it's still a pretty dangerous town. Yeah. I mean, they have the modern tech. Um that's keeping everybody alive, but also it's still the projects, right? And and you have to think like most of Earth is probably projects at this point. If you've got everybody on uh, Universal Basic and you see what that looks like outside of the UN building, right? Yeah, just like tons of homeless people milling around all the time. Like I was wondering yeah. like how many of these people don't have a place to go. They're going to be like Charles, you know, just living in, in an alley someplace. Um, 
Yeah. And, you know, like Amos also just just beating that drug dealer into some into friendship, I thought was, uh, well, it's not funny, but it's Amos. Sure. And uh, oh, yeah. And, and then the, the real question is, who the hell is he going to visit on Earth? Hmm. Uh, that th- he needs Chrissy to help him with. Uh, mildly. Interesting. Yeah. What what, what all, is that? What is that? that? Is mildly interesting. I can't say anything. What is about that it. hanging thread? And like, why? What's keeping him? And and is he in any danger? Because like Eric told him, like once you get it. And I kind of thought that maybe that was his ride that was leaving, and he just decided to overstay his visa or whatever. I wonder if this is going to put him in danger. Those were the questions I had uh, at the end of the the three episode arc with with my good man Amos here. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to think about all the people who are on Earth at this point, and it's Amos or all the people we know. Um, Amos Arjun is down there. He he you know, refused to go up to the moon last season with Avasarala uh, when she left. It's, I think that's everyone that we like really care about on earth. Um, there's clearly this one other person who I can't talk about yet, but this is family. I was thinking it's like some family we don't know about or some, yeah. Who, what, what, um, I also yeah. really like the flashback with Amos and Lydia because it shows, you know, we talk about, um, you know, Amos being a sociopath, which has always kind of rubbed me the wrong it's, way. It's not exactly accurate. He, he's shut down a lot of his emotions. And you can like this kid was born into sexual slavery, yeah. then turned into mob muscle. Then he escaped Earth through violence and death. And it's like this interesting thing where her like Lydia is saying, like, maybe we can fake it till we make it. And that maybe shows a path for Amos to rehabilitate. If he gets a crew that doesn't mm-hmm. ask him to do a bunch of stuff all the time that like, you know, he can trust and it gives him unconditional love. Like maybe he could, you know, maybe there's a, there's a happy, cause I've always thought that Amos was going to go out bloody in this series. That's like kind of his arc uh, that maybe sacrifice. But now I'm thinking like, Oh, maybe, maybe there is a, a future for Amos Burton other than violence and destruction. Yeah. Um, I, I could definitely see that. I, I don't know exactly where they're going to go with all of that, but yeah. Uh, and they do a great job in that scene where he has a flashback with Lydia. Um, like I said, leaking that emotion out. He's he's sort of sitting in the same place um, where they were sitting uh, and when she was giving him that speech, uh, except it's nighttime and, you know, the gang of teenagers or whatever come up uh, and start, you know, taunting him and stuff. And he turns around and he's just like, no. Mm-hmm. and they go all right not worth it this guy clearly yeah, is a bad man plus he's armed now he still has that gun so uh yeah I, I was wondering if we we're going to get another um outbreak of amos violence but yeah apparently not yeah I, I don't think he wants it in that moment you know he's he's come to do what he's he came to do he found out that lydia's death was not as, as sus as he might have expected and then yeah i don't think he's a guy who's looking for violence he's a guy who does not turn away from violence though um, when it no. when it finds him and it might be his first uh it does seem like it is his first way to solve a problem which is maybe not optimal uh yeah and they also there's the other thing that like kind of worried me about the amos where like because uh, you know when a main character says to another main character hey if you do this thing there's no way i can help you uh and amos is prone to do that one thing which is killing somebody uh, yeah. I do wonder if, uh, if he's going to be in some kind of legal jeopardy or or what, what he's going to get in. What is, what is he going to get himself embroiled in? Because it's almost like too easy. Like this plot. <laughs> it's it's like it's like I came here for a thing. Yeah. Uh, turns out nothing needed to be done. Oh, I can take after this Charles guy. I'm going to go take care of this Charles guy. I took care of this Charles guy. I could get out. 
and go on with my life, but there's this one other thing, and that one other thing usually, you know, and, and fiction is the thing that fucks you. So, like, how, what is what is what is that going to be? Yeah, good questions. Uh, let's talk about, I guess, the the final character here, uh, Naomi. She goes off to mm-hmm. Palace Station to see her son Philip. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly how this happens. How does she get wind that he is there? So she has. Um, Fred, as uh, I, I guess she's put in a word since last season to Fred that like, you know, kind of keep your ear to the ground. And he picks up something okay. from an informant at Palace that has this, the this, this, you know, Philip and his crew coming, coming in and out of a ship. And that's what sets her off on it. Like, I got to get to Palace right away because who knows how long he'll be there. And uh, that's that's what she does. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, she has to have a conversation with Holden before she goes, because they've they've never been apart since they met right i mean you go all the way back to the whatever ice hauler they were on at the beginning of this yeah, series the can't yeah and and they i as far as i can tell haven't left each other's side so this is like a first where i mean briefly on illis where she had the gravity sickness uh uh yeah and he went she, off to so fight was, alien text but, but, but not like, to like know, other sides of the system can, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah, where they couldn't yeah talk on the radio. Um, so I I don't know. Uh, it's it's a nice moment between them. Like it, I think it's it's explained maybe slightly better in the books because this does happen pretty much exactly in the books too. Um, where she describes, hey, you're just like I, I got to do a thing, and I I don't want you to to worry about me, but also it's it's not exactly sure what, what the outcome of this is going to be. I'll, I'll try to be back just like everyone in the book says, I'll try to be back when they leave. Uh, I plan on coming back. Um, and she just says like, you got to trust me. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing, but you got to trust me. I got to do this thing. Um, here, she just straight up tells him like my, my kids out there, I need to go deal with this. Uh, it's a little bit different. Um, I thought it was interesting because she's on this freighter that I think she ends up purchasing called the Chet Zamolka. Chet Smoka. And yeah. I, Chet Smoka. And I looked up this. This was a Native American uh, chief that was in Washington State and around Port Townsend today. And he's stop me if you've heard the story before, but uh, they got screwed out of their land by Shady Treaty. And Tell me, his, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a, a story as old as time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he went back to his people, and there's, there's people debating whether they should just get up and kill every white person in in what's now Port Townsend. And I guess over a period of time, he talked the tribe out of doing that. Um, and he's like the celebrated figure in in Washington. I guess there's a ferry that's named after him because he's essentially saved all all the white folks. But Huh. It's really interesting in in conjunction with uh you know different attitudes we see in the show because like you know we would if if we were the, the expanse version we'd probably be rooting for that guy to to you know like well we don't want them to be you don't want a massacre and and maybe you can have but we also know how the history of Native Americans went yeah. so it really I, I, and this is all just like really really background stuff but I also think it's uh-huh. stuff that like you know they intend us to, to kind of look into and it really makes you think like who what is the right action to do you know yeah. what is the right way to play things because if you do the things the quote unquote the right way and and there's repayment you, it's the extinction of your people then Jesus was that the right way to go um, 
And it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting, interesting stuff. And the show very economically captures all of this stuff that takes pages in the book of, of characters grappling with it, you know, internally and having conversations with other characters who are somewhat sympathetic to their cause, but have different approaches. It's, it's, it's really happening quickly and, and with, uh, you know, not a ton of fanfare in the show. It's, it's subtle, but it's going on. And when you pick up on those things, it just makes the whole universe richer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know Philip's gang because I like the, the these guys are very interesting characters. You got like the like I want to call him the big bear and the antagonistic woman because the big uh-huh. bear is like he just loves Naomi. Clearly, it's known her since she was a child and is kind of charmed by her. Um, whereas the one that's closer to Na- Naomi's age is kind of like, yeah, you're the one that abandoned us mm-hmm. and we don't tra- and you're working for an, an, an inner captain, an earther captain. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting prelude to how Philip was going to react to her. And if we're going yeah. to talk about that scene, I thought it was amazing because it's reminded me a lot of like Avasarala where Avasarala was trying to fight Nancy Gao the way she knew how, and it would completely backfire because it just betrayed her as this out of touch aristocrat, yeah. you know, trying to get the vote of the people of earth, which a vast majority of them are kind of in this stuck terrible like basic position hmm. uh and how naomi tried to appeal to her son which is like look let me give you this ship let me give you all this money and you can tell that marco is probably like, you know your mother abandoning us because she wanted the riches of the inner and she wanted to make herself better and she thinks she's better than us she wants to be an earther like that just played into every bit of poison that marco has poured into philip's ear yeah and it's tragic because she just wants to save him but her approach was almost designed to confirm everything that his father told her about her. And I also was not seeing that him come back like and take her hostage. Uh-huh. Um, that's going to be like, I mean, that's yeah, that that's uh, she, she avoided getting taken hostage in the show last year, last year, but now they're, they're doing it to her this year. Uh, damn, I have, I'm, I'm very concerned because that's the other thing about The Expanse is it's been a few seasons since it's happened, but The Expanse will kill off a main character. Oh, yeah. You know, episode four, we thought we lost one-fifth of the Rocinante crew. Uh, uh, second season, we lost Miller. It's been a few, but like, I think The Expanse will kill, Am- would kill Amos or Alex or Bobby or Naomi. <laughs> Might Not have all to kill them, Alex, but, you know, at this point. Yeah, well, right. So like, I don't really think that any of these characters are safe. Um, yeah, because that's right. not been the expanse except for like the last season or so. So like I, it's, I, that's one of the things that's kind of got me on uh, pins and needles. Yeah. So she's kidnapped at the end of this episode. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I can't say too much because this does happen in the books as well. Um, but I think that's about it. Uh, we've covered all the characters. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I, I, yeah, there's one thing I wanted to po- point out from an FX. We, this actually came up uh, coincidentally over on The Mandalorian, too. Um, they, we talked last week on The Mandalorian show how they got this new thing called, it's called The the Volume. It's this like 360-degree studio LED that they can project backgrounds so they don't even have to green screen anymore. They can just throw, like, if you're on a desert planet, you're on a fucking desert planet. And if it's a background, it's good enough. I noticed that I feel like The Expanse is doing a little bit of this because that, like, wonder that you were talking about where they go through to Rocinante and all that and they board this, um, you know, pod that takes them all around the station. I'm pretty sure all that elevator was just big LED panels uh, that was showing the station kind of zipping around to like really 
save costs. I noticed that a couple other places too. I think more and more, instead of like green screening and compositing, it's like now you've got these 4K, 8K yeah. displays. Uh, you just put them up there, make sure they're matte so they don't reflect, and it looks pretty good. It looks pretty fucking good, and I bet it's a whole hell of a lot cheaper than doing all that compositing stuff. So I'm, I'm, uh, it, it's really. You just you keep thinking like how are effects going to get better, and then you get like six degree freedom drones replacing uh, 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 crane shots, and you get uh, these these uh, high screen LEDs serving as uh, uh, green screen replacements, and it just keep things get keeps getting better and cheaper. And uh, I thought it was cool to see the expanse take take use of some of that technology too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Uh figuring out what they're going to do with the churn this year that that podcast the semi-official like podcast that ty and dan are always i on. heard it's dan and ty with west chatham that oh the, really west is going to be essentially the host and just talking each episode over with them yeah i just saw okay. that on twitter today that that's going to be the how the ep, the episodes work so that will be sounds huh. like an entertaining as fuck show to listen to yeah, no, I'm excited for that because they will talk about behind the scenes stuff like this. So maybe they'll talk about some of the effects at some point this season. Uh, that'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah. So. But man, there is uh, just all kinds of hell about to happen next episode. Because, uh, yeah, at least one of the asteroids does hit, you know, it's it's. And not they talk about a 13 of, and, kilometer radius of, of destruction, right? And the, the megatonnage mega of the blast. Not like that, but like it hits in the ocean. So the tsunami is going to be pretty impressive, I imagine, too. So yeah, I wonder what kind of precision nasty. they had with those. Uh, like if it's just it hits any random place on Earth or because yeah. I thought that's like, well, maybe if like it hits in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, there's some places where that would not do a lot of damage uh, th- with these because these aren't huge asteroids. That's the other, they're not like planet killers. They're, you know, city regional busters kind of thing in that range. 30 to 60 meters. They they mentioned. Yeah. And um, they they um, but 10 of them. Right. There are a lot of them out there. And also, you know, they they show kind of the devastation uh, or at least a little bit of it, uh, the, the initial impact. So what the fallout from those are going to be, right? Like, is this going to how a many people fallout. are going to die? Like, will there be, will there be literal fallout like this? Is this a d- extinction of the dinosaurs kind of event or what? what is this, yeah. you know? It probably wouldn't be sudden, but like, you know, if all 10 of those hit and they throw up a bunch of dust and they dim, like, you know, we talked about those power, the solar power, like if uh, 50% of the Earth's sun doesn't get to the surface anymore, it's going to be devastating in terms of crops feeding people, uh, in terms of energy. I mean, you've seen the uh, Matrix, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and all the, you know, like uh, also tsunamis are going to be really devastating when you look at New York City, which is like they always portray it as being like 20 meters underwater, these massive seawalls. So, yeah. A uh, 200 meter wave is going to do a hell of a lot of damage to the whole eastern seaboard. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, that's one of my questions. Like, how fucked up is Earth going to be after all this? So yeah, we'll big see. Big stakes, big stakes in the episodes to come. I, I can't imagine that we have to wait long to get the aftermath of this because it's going to be important, oh, right? Like that question yeah. is the number one question you have coming out of that third episode. Right. And not for nothing, Amos is still on Earth. Right. Like, right. If you don't care, Arjun is still on Earth. I don't. He's not Arjun, obviously. Uh, but but you know he's important to Avasaral and her family. So there's like there's some real stakes. That's not just the however yeah. many billions of people walking around on Earth. We actually care about several of these people. So and and, and uh, don't forget like Nancy Gao. Uh, all, all of the heads of government are down on Earth, and you know who knows what could happen uh, if it hits in the wrong place on Earth. It is. 
interesting when you mentioned that, that like Chris, Chrissy's exile to Luna might not be a bad deal. <laughs> right, like, right. You know, it, if uh, if one of these hits Washington or wherever or New York City, wherever the UN, mm-hmm. UN is headquarters. I'm not sure. If, is UN still in New York City? I, headquarters? I, you mean in the Expanse or you mean in our real yeah. life? Uh, in the Expanse, yeah, in our, I assume yeah. it's it's uh, still in New York, but. I'm not sure. Because yeah, you could you could decapitate her. And I also don't know what the spacing of these asteroids are. They seem like they're pretty right. like in a line. So there's not going to be a lot of respite for for poor Mother Terra here, but Well, that's the other thing. You uh, talked about how accurate are these things going to going to be on their trajectories. We saw they're not super accurate, right? Like they flung one so close to a star to right. the sun that it, it just broke up, up, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, they 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 didn't really like play in these trajectories perfectly. I doubt they're going to be like Oh, you know what? We want to hit the UNN building. So let's send it on this course. This stuff reminds me so much of the Tom Clancy I used to live or read, where it's like, you know, a terrorist puts a nuclear bomb in Denver, but the terrorist didn't know one technical thing. So instead of being like a 10 megaton bomb, it was only like a 10 kiloton. Uh So it's like, it's like, like I said, like, you know, um, the belters throw an asteroid and one of them breaks up like shit happens. Mistakes are made. You know, these aren't, yeah. they, you don't get a chance to test this. Like there's no trial run you can do. So, uh, there, there's, um, it might not be as bad as I think it might be, but it also could be a hell of a lot worse because the other thing is like, what if this is just his opening gambit? I don't know. Yeah. Marcos guys is scary. We'll see. What do you guys think, the listeners here? Uh, we are not going to be doing a lot of feedback these first couple of weeks because we're recording most of these before Christmas in advance of Christmas. So we can take some Christmas time off, but we'll be back in the new year to consider all your feedback and, and, and catch up from that point going forward. Uh, send that feedback in to expanse at baldmove.com. Uh, you can also discuss the episodes with our fellow fans at uh, forums.baldmove.com. And uh, I, yeah, I can't wait to see episode four. Can't wait to see all you guys back. Oh, also, don't forget, every Sunday, uh, starting this one, we are going to be watching all the new episodes of The Expanse on our Sci-Fi Sundays. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday night. You know what? Fuck work on Monday morning. Uh, Stay up a little late with us. Watch The Expanse. Watch some episodes of Star Trek. It's a good time. Twitch.tv slash baldmove is where that happens. You can find our schedule, how you can participate. Uh, But it's a real good time. I'd love to see uh, some of you guys and gals show up. That's it for this week. We'll wait, see what happens to Earth next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.